The Transforming Society podcast is brought to you by Bristol University Press and Policy Press. In episodes covering a wide range of social issues, we speak to authors and editors about their books and journals to get to grips with the story their research tells and look at the specific ways in which it could transform society for the better. These are turbulent times and it's essential that different areas of research and practice examine ways to address the significant social problems that we face. With its focus on questions of power, public policy has an essential role to play in this. My name is Jess Miles and in this episode I'm speaking to Oscar Berglund, lecturer in international public and social policy at the University of Bristol, and Elizabeth Coberley, associate professor of political science at the University of Nevada. Oscar and Elizabeth are co-editors of the Policy and Politics Journal, and we're here today to talk about the latest special issue, Transformational Change Through Public Policy. The aim of the issue is to ask, after half a century of scholarship, what can public policy offer to understand and inform the kind of societal transformations needed, both to weather these challenging times and to create a better future for all? So the special issue um, of policy and politics, it's called Transformational Change Through Public Policy. What was your motivation to create it and why do you feel it's so important? Uh, well, I think partly is things that you covered in your, in your introduction and in your question. And uh, I suppose to put it bluntly is that, that the world's in a bit of a state at the moment, right? Uh, it's, uh, we are facing huge amount of in problems, social problems, political problems, uh, economic problems, um, and uh, not least on top of this climate change, which we talk about as an example through, throughout uh, the special issue. Um, and uh, I mean, just looking at, at how these issues have kind of advanced in the last few years, obviously we've had you know, the pandemic, which has affected societies across the world really differently. Um, uh, and uh, in, then you have uh, responses to uh, the, the problems that we see that are not necessarily helpful in terms of policy terms. So, you know, you've got a huge amount of kind of what you call democratic backsliding, where, you know, you see kind of increasing authoritarianism in a lot of political systems and, and societies uh, around the world. Um, and uh, really kind of response with, with kind of culture wars, uh, which is, you know, huge attacks on uh, LGBTQ uh, rights, for example, after many decades of kind of of going uh, in a more kind of progressive um, direction, you see a lot of kind of anti uh, anti LGBTQ uh, legislation coming in in various countries around the world. Uh, obviously, anti abortion legislation with you know, what's happened in, uh, in in the US uh, in the Supreme Court just recently, and really, um, I mean, I think the US is a good example of a, of a country that is in uh, in a crisis. It's in a kind of constitutional crisis. Uh, and uh, I think for us as a journal, it's an interesting moment to get a lot more kind of uh, American authors, authors writing for us because uh, they're experiencing this really deep constitutional crisis. Um, and then, of course, you have now with, you know, the uh, Russia's invasion of Ukraine uh, and the cost of living crisis that I think is, you know, partly at least uh, driven by that, but, uh, but also by, by a range of other factors that is again, uh, causing huge instability across the world, right? I mean, you see uh, scenes um, well, on the day of recording yesterday from Sri Lanka where, you know, protesters stormed the presidential uh, palace uh, because of the cost of living crisis. So you see this, like, 
huge, really deep crises uh, around the world that are really multidimensional. Um, and uh, as I haven't talked that much about the climate crisis now, but that's obviously kind of the overarching crisis that that uh, we, in many ways, uh, really you know have to uh, have to grapple with. Um, and it is like you said that public policy has perhaps been focused on incremental policy change, and there's a reason for that, and it's because incremental policy change is what happens normally, right? Policies mm-hmm. kind of change incrementally. Um, and uh, we need to be go be much beyond that kind of incremental change. Uh, it's stated very clearly in the International Panel for Climate Change uh, report, which is you know the UN uh, report, uh, the, the UN uh, organized report written by by climate scientists uh, that states very clearly that we need transformational. Uh, policy and and uh, and politics uh, at this time uh, and go beyond incrementalism and change things uh, quickly so as a as a discipline that has been focused on kind of incremental changes uh, we need to think about how we can contribute how our knowledge can contribute to towards uh, uh, more transformational changes now obviously we know better than others that policy change alone isn't going to do that, right? Societal changes uh, uh, is, uh, is much bigger than just what you can achieve uh, through, through policy change. Um, uh, and, and we'll get to talk about that, uh, I'm sure. Uh, but that we want to better understand and better investigate what our role as a discipline can be in contributing towards the kind of transformational changes that we need. So we've got this focus on transformational change. Um, can you tell us exactly what you mean by transformational change and explain why this incremental change isn't enough? Sure. Yeah, we've we've thought about this question a lot when working with our authors through this special issue. We think it's really important to sort of distinguish between transformational change and policy change, which Oscar started to do in his response, and I think it it really gets at kind of the core questions that we pose in our introductory piece and and that we ask our our special issue authors to answer throughout the issue. Um, And when we talk about transformational change or transformational societal change, we're we're really thinking about kind of the outcomes or effects, um, and that can be of policy change, but also a host of other things. So for instance, we talk about Um, social movements that may be related to policy change, but aren't necessarily equivalent to policy change. Um, So this is, um, you know, kind of bigger than the idea is bigger than just public policy. Um, One of our special issue authors, Dr. Daniel Nordstedt said, um, he described transformational change as not simply changing our goals and values, but fundamentally changing the economic, social, political fabric of our society. And I thought that was um, a really nice description. And so given all of these different types of problems that are contributing to this instability that Oscar just talked about, um, we, we believe this kind of sector spanning transformational change is really critical. Um, and you know it's critical for solving social justice issues. It's critical for addressing environmental issues that sort of will, will create even worse social justice issues in the future, those sorts of things. Um, and, and as Oscar mentioned, we do focus on kind of the issue of climate change in our special um, issue introduction because we mm-hmm. think it's a really clear example of where this incremental 
incremental kind of outcome is not enough, right? And and I think it's a good one because, or it's a good um, issue to focus on because even if we stop emitting carbon right now, we're still going to see the effects of our historical emissions for 200 years, right? Um, And so thinking kind of incrementally as far as those outcomes is just simply not going to work with the speed that these major societal problems are moving at. Um, And so kind of contrasting or a part of that transformational change is is hopefully policy change. And that's sort of the lens that we look at it through um, in policy and politics and as as policy scholars. Um, Policy change alone is often not transformational. Um, We like to sometimes think about these big, really path departing transformational changes in public policy. Um, But what we've seen empirically and we've seen through um, just kind of observing how politics works, we we see more of those incremental changes. And one thing that I think is really cool about this special issue is that it identifies some places where sort of incremental policy changes can accumulate and can foster broader societal change. Um, And I think that's something that we need to bring to light more. Um, You know, we don't always need to see these huge path departing policies to get transformational change. We can sort of think about, okay, what are some incremental policy changes that may foster really broad changes in societal political attitudes and and can bring along transformational change, but sort of balancing the speed at which all this happens is is really critical and really hard to do. so yeah, so I guess that kind of just gets gets us question like as policy scholars, how do we think about kind of the realities of of politics and policy change, and how does that square with this need for really broad, rapid transformational change at the societal level? Yeah, that's a really helpful explanation of it. So it is that policy change usually is incremental, but it seems like you're saying if you can kind of connect these things and join them up somehow, then it has the potential for this transformational change. So what is it about the field of public policy that can be useful in achieving societal transformations that we, that are needed to address big issues like climate change and other things? So there I'd like to point to, to two things. Um, the first is uh, our focus on power. I mean, that we share with sort of the broader political science um, politics, which you know, is, is about power in all its different shapes and forms and guises. Um, uh, because a lot of the suggestions, the policy suggestions, if you want, that comes from across the social and natural sciences and how we can, uh, we can transform things, uh, ignore power, right? It completely ignores the power structures uh, and uh, the way that the world uh, is working, the, the, the actors that, are, that stand in the way of, uh, of, of putting in uh, the kind of reforms uh, that we need. Uh, you want. Um, and I think an excellent example of that is kind of uh, looking at looking at uh, climate change specifically, uh, which you know, I, I teach and, and uh, research a lot about in the climate politics, um, because you have this idea of how to kind of reform our economies, uh, right, in order to kind of address the climate emergency, right, that, you know, and you get the UN Secretary General talking about, like, we can't be, have, have these sort of growth-focused economies anymore, and he's picking up there on things that are mentioned in the kind of IPCC report as well, which is, you know, you, know, you need some, you can, 
focus on some kind of degrowth or some kind of green new deal or however you want to conceive of it but anyway a massive kind of reshaping of our economies to be able to respond to to the climate emergency uh, in a way that can still kind of satisfy uh, people's uh, well direct needs and and and, and livelihoods um, now that's great but you know there are actual real actors in and and power structures in the way of that and i think that's something that we focus on that is something that we share with sort of sociology and politics as well that look at those uh, at those structures that are uh, in the way of that but where we come in more is that uh, where some of those approaches are really quite structuralist, uh, we do focus on the agency of uh, what we can call a policy entrepreneur, right? So mm-hmm. the policy entrepreneur is kind of the key character in a lot of the stories that we tell. Uh, it's how actors, uh, political actors, and by that I don't just mean the actors in the halls of power, and we'll come to come to that as well, but uh, that uh, how how people can. Uh, it can change uh, uh, things, right? So that uh, you know, a lot of our theoretical models are uh, about uh, the circumstances under which uh, policy entrepreneurs and, and, uh, and actors can change, uh, can achieve changes. So I think it's that kind of focus on uh, on the agency within these broader structures where we, as public policy scholars, uh, have something to contribute that is so valuable. So who who are the policy entrepreneurs, the policy actors? Um, I think that's uh, that's a good question, uh, and uh, I think it can be um, politicians, but it doesn't have to be politicians, right? Uh, mm. So you can, in public policy, we often talk about sort of advocacy coalition frameworks, for example, where you know uh, you get advocacy coalitions which will include social movements and NGOs. And, uh, yeah. and politicians and so on that can, you know, uh, enter um, uh, into coalitions. Elizabeth, no doubt, knows a lot more about this than I do. Uh, but um, uh, but we basically, who I think we, as as a discipline, we also need to amplify who these audiences are that we speak to, and I think we'll get to that. Yeah. Yeah. Um. You are quite critical of existing scholarship on transformational change in not being up to the job of tackling some of these major crises. So how does public policy academia need to change? Um, For example, what should public policy academics be studying? Who should they be engaging with? And what about methods as well? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, And I think this sort of resonates with what I was talking about before, that kind of the instances of policy change that we often study as scholars aren't necessarily transformational on their own. And I think policy scholars um, sometimes fail to look at that broader transformative potential of the policy changes that we're studying. We focus in really narrowly on how policy changes and who drives it and maybe look at, you know, the the output that's a piece of legislation or regulation or a court decision or a new plan or something. Um, but we don't, we often don't kind of have that eye toward broader transformation or sort of think about how these policy changes can link up with transformation. 
Um, and, and again, using kind of the, the topical issue that we write about in our introduction, um, I think the, the world of political science broadly, there's, there's really a surprising dearth of research on climate change. Um, as, okay. someone, right. yeah, as someone who, you know, I, I come from an interdisciplinary kind of environmental studies background, and I now work in a political science department, and I'm the only public policy scholar in my department. And I feel like, you know, public policy has sort of had this push to look at um, issues like climate change a bit more closely. But, um, but like Oscar, I teach a climate change politics and policy class as well. And it's really surprising that um, policy scholarship and political science more broadly hasn't really taken up this issue. And I think in some ways that might be because of our orientation is toward looking at these smaller incremental changes. And we kind of shy away from looking at the big long-term cumulative effects of, of some yeah. of these policy changes. Yeah. Um, so um, I think, you know, kind of on the other side of that, I think we're actually, as policy scholars, we're pretty well equipped to do this. And that might get at some of the questions about, you know, what methods should we be using? Who should we be studying? What should we be studying? Um, and I think part of the reason we're, we're well equipped to do this is because public policy scholarship is actually a fairly interdisciplinary field, right? So Oscar mentioned, you know, sharing some theoretical background and ideas with sociology, but I think about in my work, I regularly am on teams with engineers and natural scientists trying to work together to think about solving problems. Um, so we have this sort of interdisciplinary orientation that I think can be really helpful mm -hmm. when looking toward transformational change, you know, thinking about, okay, policy change or um, institutions or actors may be one part of this, but how might that align with these other parts of systems that that other types of disciplines look at closely? Um, so I think that's that's a really important part um, of of being a policy scholar and how that can contribute to transformational change. Um, I also think that we do more engaged work um, than a lot of other disciplines, right? So we're often, you know, working directly with stakeholders or policymakers and um, thinking about kind of methodologies, you know, a lot of the articles that Policy and Politics publishes are articles where there are interviews directly with policymakers or surveys of policymakers or trying to understand that dynamic between how the public participates in policymaking processes with decision makers. And, and I think, you know, that gives us some really important leverage to think about bringing policy ideas and innovations to fruition rather than kind of stopping at the theorizing part of um, our job as academics. So, um, you know, that said, I, I do also want to want to say that there unfortunately hasn't been a lot of incentive for scholars to do this kind of work in the past, right? Mm -hmm. um, institutionally, you know, and, and especially working with stakeholders, it's really intensive work, it can take a long time. I, I am so impressed with the, the work we read about and the articles we get submitted to us and just how um, engaged folks are with their communities and policymakers. Um, and so, you know, we're hoping to kind of inspire scholars with a special issue and reaffirm the value of such work. And even though it can be hard and time consuming and, and there aren't a lot of incentives to do this really engaged interdisciplinary work, um, we think that that is a place where we can actually contribute to transformational change. Yeah, it feels like the special issue is almost, it's almost about like lifting policy, public policy up so you can get this like much broader picture and bringing people together in a more coordinated way. 
um, and then you connect everything and then you can help to make the transformational change. Um, so you talked about inspiring people and it, this is obviously seeking to inspire a new generation of scholars by setting out this structure um, for a research program featuring the topics you think are in crucial you think are crucial and in need of urgent progression, including climate change like we've mentioned. So thinking about what we're going to look at through this bigger lens, can you tell us what these areas are and why they're important? Yeah, so I think we what we do in the in the article is that we kind of set uh, four challenges really for for our discipline or public policy that we need to think bigger about as you yeah. as you say yeah. uh, in order in order to contribute to this. So first, we need to ask in a way bigger research questions, and uh, so uh, if for example other people from other social sciences that study uh, this say that okay, so we need. To, degrowth or Green New Deal or whatever, and if others say like, okay, well, we need more deliberative democracy, uh, that's a much better way of making the kind of decisions that uh, that we need to be, uh, difficult decisions that we need to be making, um, then uh, we will, you know, ask, okay, that sounds nice and great, but, you know, okay, how do we get there, right? So, you know, how do we... Um, uh, and and those are, you know, some of those are kind of utopian ideas in a way, right? Like, and and you know, certainly can feel more utopian uh, some days than others. Uh, but I think that we need to ask those uh, those kind of questions uh, whilst, you know, also taking it down to the kind of nitty-gritty of, uh, of, of how we get there. Um, then, you know, we also need to engage with a greater range of actors. So although we do speak to a range of stakeholders, that's absolutely true. But we have, I think, you know, prioritized policymakers as our key uh, actor okay. and i don't know that that's actually a very you know when you look at transformational changes as they have happened through history and you know the example kind of that a lot of climate people draw on and so on come from you know when our welfare states were created for example i mean that's where this idea of a green new deal comes from right because mm -hmm. it talks about roosevelt's kind of new deal um or when you know the nhs was created in in, in the uk or the european welfare states largely around some kind of same time in the sort of immediate post-war period then that had a huge social movement component to it right I mean, the labor movement was incredibly strong at that time, and they kind of gained these kind of concessions um, uh, from uh, um, uh, from uh, you know more powerful uh, powerful actors. Uh, so, even if you, so, looking at those historical examples and looking at now, I mean, you know, with you know again going back to the UN Secretary General, you know, pointing to sort of climate activists as key parts of of, of this story of sort of getting action on uh, on climate change we think that you know these actors so social movements particularly um uh, are we need to engage with them uh, much yeah. more and that kind of links to uh, to the next point that is that if we do uh, if those are actors that we study then those also need to be actors that we speak to and that, uh, so the, you know, our the knowledge that we create will be useful for those actors. So it should be useful for actors seeking transformational change, whether they are a civil servant, uh, a politician, an elected politician, or you know, a uh, an activist. Um, 
And that can also change the kind of questions that we ask as well, because we need to ask then questions that are going to be useful for uh, these, uh, these actors to be able to, uh, to enable in the uh, kind of transformational change that, mm. uh, that uh, we all need. Um, and lastly, you know, we need to expand our methodological and theoretical approaches. And this is something that, uh, you know, we as an editorial team, together with Chris Weibel and, uh, and Claire Dunlop, have uh, wanted to do since, uh, since we took over this journal. We're really committed to expanding methodologically, and we, we are a really methodologically rich journal with, you know, both kind of more positivist, um, approaches mixed with with more critical interpretivist uh, approaches so that in itself has a huge value of you know being methodologically uh, uh, broad uh, but also theoretically and here I think we have a lot of this. so public policy has been quite uh, limited theoretically in that it hasn't engaged that much with the kind of broader social theorists who uh, or maybe or invoked by a lot of other people in other disciplines that study transformational change, mm. uh, right? So uh, somebody like Bell Hooks, for example, or yeah. Antonio Gramsci, or like people that are social thinkers that are kind of picked up by various disciplines have maybe not been much so, so much so in public policy. And I think we think that there's more scope to, to do that. Yeah, it feels like a real progressive shift and it's a bit like... Um... Like in social policy, you get more a lot more work now with like uh, service users and things like that, don't you? It feels like it's kind of mirroring what's happening there. Um, please, can you both give one or two of your personal highlights from the issue and say what you hope people will take away from it more broadly? Ah, of course. Um, so I have two, and they're sort of two very different types of articles, but the first is um, by Daniel Nordstedt, I mentioned earlier, kind of his definition of transformational change, and he um, has a piece on disasters as a potential catalyst for transformational change toward right. more resilient societies, and I think um, as someone who has, has studied disaster politics, we often see a disaster and it flags that something major needs to change in our world. And then we see policy not living up to that. Yeah. Um, so I think his, his piece is really, does a really nice job at bringing together kind of all of these concepts from diverse theories in the world of public policy to really kind of diagnose when disasters may create kind of the potential for a transformative change, um, transformational change, and when there might be limits or kind of what those limits are. Um, Interesting. It's often quite shocking, isn't it, that something awful can happen in the world and you so quickly revert to how things used to be. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. And I think and then that opportunity is gone. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. That kind of window of opportunity. That's a perfect example of a concept term from one of our public policy theories. Right brought into that how do we capitalize on that yeah um, so um in in kind of a sense is what to take away from that I think you know in some ways it's sort of a, a hopeful piece to me in that we can think harder about what are the contexts that may actually lead to transformation and sort of work to I don't know create those contexts or you know get get other stakeholders thinking about those contexts mm. Um, and the other piece I, I'd really like to highlight is um, Leah Levesque and her colleagues piece. Um, it's called Transforming Public Policy with Engaged Scholarship, Better Together. 
And um, the authors use the series of vignettes from across their research programs, which I think is a really interesting kind of, I don't know, way to bring together all of these different lessons and integrate lessons from different studies. Um, and they are really focused on engaging with actors that are often left out of the policy process. Um, and they, they specifically talk about how this is despite the use of participatory mechanisms. And right. I think that's really important. Um, a lot of my work is on kind of increasing participation and collaboration governance processes, but we don't go far enough with that. And I think the this article really um, suggests, you know, that we need to think harder about bringing these actors in in a meaningful way, disrupting power dynamics that, you know, kind of constrain maybe the role that they can play in the policy process. Um, and I think it's a really, a really nice example of not only kind of a call for change by policymakers, but a call for change by policy scholars too. Um, mm -hmm. they, you know, this piece really speaks to some of these themes we've been talking about. Um, how do we study the policy process? What issues do we focus on? Who, who do we study and who do we talk to and talk at um, in our policy scholarship? Um, and so doing all of these kind of things with a, with a broader eye toward participation in policy can really help foster some of that transformational change. Mm, yeah. Oscar, your highlights. Yeah, uh, I'd like to highlight uh, an article by uh, Rosana Bolosa and Janaina Perez from uh, Brazil, uh, from Sao Paulo. Um, it's uh, called The Democratic Transformation of Public Policy Through Community Activism in Brazil. And it's a study about how this uh, favela, uh, Shantytown, outside of Sao, Sao Paulo, uh, called Paraisopolis, um, managed through the pandemic uh, mm -hmm. in a situation where they were kind of largely abandoned by the state um, and uh, where they managed to to organize uh, you know focusing on community activism and and uh, deliberative uh, uh, de democracy and deliberative uh, environment where um, yeah they managed to to self-organize uh, in order to respond to this this public health crisis um, and um, obviously this was in the context of you know Brazil's president wasn't uh, you know, the most responsive to, to COVID. Yeah. Uh, so, um, uh, and, and it's fascinating. And, you know, that was, it's a really, you know, quite positive story. And to me, this goes, you know, much beyond COVID. Uh, because again, going back to the fact that, you know, I study climate change and in climate change, you have all these people and, you know, to speak about civilization or collapse and so on, that's going to come, you know, as a result of, of the climate crisis. And I'm always kind of skeptical towards because people talk about it as, okay, and we just can reach the point and then everything will just collapse. And, you know, that's, I, I don't think that's the way that, that things uh, will necess would necessarily happen if we, if we fail to act on climate change. Instead, it's much more likely that there will be increasingly more pockets of the world that, that become in this way abandoned by uh, by their states um right. and not just because by climate change but i mean you can then you know again i brought up this example of you know sri lanka and the storming of the you know there's a lot of states in the world that will will not be strong enough to be able to keep the kind of control that they have over their territories now or that they have the kind of um yeah state capacity as opposed to uh, to to govern their territory uh, right. as, uh, as as they do and i think that will increase right we will get more pockets of the world like that but in this way what happens then isn't a kind of war of all against all but it's actually 
societies, communities can self-organize. Uh, and uh, the lessons that can be drawn from this article, for example, and from many other experiences like this can be really useful. And we come back to this, that you know, public policy isn't just made by, um, by policy actors, right? Like by, by elected politicians or by civil servants, right? In, in these cases, in, in the case that uh, in the article uh, by uh, Lea Lavac um, and colleagues that Elizabeth was mentioned as well as in this article uh, by our Brazilian colleagues, um, it's clear that public policy is made by a bunch of informal actors. And we, we know this, right? But it's, yeah. I think that we can, we can um, uh, speak much more with uh, and to those, uh, those kind of actors. And I think that's, this is a really good attempt to do that. That's absolutely fascinating. Um, so having read this special issue, um, if people want to engage or share their own ideas, what can they do? How should they get in touch? Sure. Um, yeah, I really encourage everyone listening to this to to check out the special issue um, first to read through the articles and then, you know, don't hesitate to engage with us directly by email. You're welcome to email the editors um, or Twitter is a wonderful place to engage. Um, we have a really active Twitter follower following um, and we will be featuring all of the articles repeatedly from the special issue in our tweets over the next few months. Um, Many, if not all, by the time this is published, all of the articles will be posted on our early view. And we know that our authors are really eager to engage with readers about these ideas. Um, one of the really fun things about this special issue is we've been really engaged as an editorial team with the authors through the whole process. We've held workshops and kind of had early conversations with them. It wasn't simply, you know, just submitting articles sort of haphazardly um, that we put this together. We tried to make it a really intentional process. And I think the authors now are really excited to have these pieces out in the world and to engage with readers um, about the key ideas in their articles. So we definitely encourage you to, to join those conversations um, on Twitter as you as you read these articles. Um, and I also just wanted to end on the idea that, you know, if if you are listening to this and you're researching an area, um, please definitely consider submitting your best research building on the themes in this special issue to, to policy and politics. Um, you know, we're hoping to continue this conversation forward and we don't just want to close this off with one special issue, but really, um, like, like you said, just kind of setting a sort of progressive agenda for the journal going forward. That's fantastic. Thank you very much. It feels like it's a huge opportunity to almost like rethink what public policy does and how it does it. And that's quite exciting, I think. Um, so the Twitter handle for Policy and Politics Journal is policy underscore politics. More information about policy and politics, including the editor contact details and information on how to submit, can be found and information on the special issue itself can be found on Bristol University Press Digital, which is at bristoluniversitypressdigital.com.